0: Howdy, I'm Paul Isaac Yoder. And this is Authors Dozen, a podcast where I explore barriers to storytelling by writing one novel every month for 12 months. Please enjoy. So there is one last way in which Run Prometheus can teach me. I know we're tired of hearing about failure, uh, and we'll move on from this, but. It's the way in which all good things come from mistakes. One of the prevailing topics of our time is how the universe came to be and how a sexually awkward, poof-flinging, bald primate tribe came to be the only species within a trillion miles of Earth that are capable of creating a pair of nail clippers. The answer to that question seems to be, oops, I don't know. Oops is how we came from the place of poo-slinging, and oops is how we advance beyond it into like, robo-gladiator mecha-poo-slinging, probably. All that said, uh, most of Authors Dozen comes from a personal central philosophy that all good things come by complete coincidence and mistake, but that there are good and bad ways to react to said coincidences. I have evidence for this personal philosophy. The reason you're listening to this podcast is because someone forced you against your will to learn English. Uh, The reason you came across this podcast is because I featured the podcast on a miraculous, interconnected internet, uh, carefully hosting, sharing, manipulating, SEO, keywords, podcast, good, etc. We have... No choice about these things. To subvert what came before us is almost impossible. To be original is to make a rare mistake. To change the world uh, will leave you saying oops. Oops is the knowledge that most things are out of our control. We are born with a certain family, speaking a certain language, practicing certain traditions. Whether we react positively or negatively toward these circumstances, they still define us. So we don't have a choice. So what do we do about not being able to do anything? It's easier for you and me to follow the path of least resistance when tackling a new idea. So think back to Hollow, where we started with a you know, central, different concept, and then moved on to sort of carve the path of least resistance through that concept um, complicating things, but also making them easier for ourselves. To that effect, uh, let's just steal Newton's Laws of Motion and create a frame of reference for identifying oops-moments. Law 1. An object either remains at rest or continues to move at a constant velocity unless acted upon by a force. Law 2. Simplified as force equals mass times acceleration. Law number three is for every action there is an equal and opposite reaction. The universe is lazy. It's almost as lazy as I am. The universe doesn't want to lift a barbell five feet off the ground. It doesn't want to clean your room. The universe had a burst of energy at the beginning of time and ever since then it's only wanted to chill uh, so hard that it eventually runs out of heat altogether. In fact, the universe is so lazy that many people attribute the universe's initial spark of passion to God, who's more of a busybody and has at least seven more laws than those three. Most people like yours truly want to follow the path of least resistance. Let's apply the three laws to a specific oops and see their effects. Law number one. Uh, I don't know about you, but I find it hard to wake up and hard to fall asleep. Once your body is set on a course, it just sort of wants to keep going. Once your body is at rest, it wants to stay at rest. It is hard to push a legless hippo up a mountain. It is hard to stop a legless hippo from tumbling down a mountain. Why'd you put that hippo on the mountain, you dumb idiot? Where'd you put those hippo legs? You got a hippo leg stashed somewhere? I don't know. In the same way, it is hard to change what you're doing. If you've grown used to con- if you've grown used to consuming podcasts, you'll probably consume more podcasts. If you've acquired a taste for Oreos, you're probably gonna, you know, eat a sleeve of Oreos. They made a really painful breakfast cereal called Oreo O's that I used to eat all the time. When I ate the Oreo O's, my mouth hurt because the O's were so durable and saccharine, and I felt sick for the rest of the day because they were bowls of soggy cookies. But I couldn't stop eating them because I was a hippo in motion, tending to stay in motion. You and I will probably do tomorrow more or less the same thing we did yesterday. We eat the same, talk the same, work and play the same. It would be strange to do otherwise. I'm not going to learn a new language every day. I'm not going to go out tomorrow and fight people with my chainsaw. That would not be my preferred weapon. Um, Every day, you and I wake up and accidentally repeat most of what we did before. And if your last day was stagnant and dull, that'll probably carry over. You cannot suddenly and naturally get over depression or drowsiness. A body at rest will tend to stay at rest. Things will tend to be much the same as they were before. Unless, of course, some oops comes along and exerts force on us. Alright, law number two. Another variation on the phrase, measure twice, cut once, is that had the position for one of the bases of the St. Louis Arch been miscalculated by only a few centimeters, the two arms of the arch would have completely missed each other. If that tragic miscalculation had taken place, St. Louis would have been a terrible and corrupt cesspool of segregation. Instead of the shining beacon of progressivism, it is today! Something that is massive, like a giant arch, is difficult to stop once it gets going, especially if it's moving at an enormous speed. The force of a fast-moving, massive object will crush you if you stand in its way. Pick a fight with the arch now, and you'll find it a very sturdy horseshoe indeed. But what if you could go back to the foundations before the objects were massive and full of momentum? Head back to the foundation of the arch and tip it ever so slightly. Better yet, head back to the origins of St. Louis and just reroute the Mississippi over it. Therefore, whiting the blighted stain of this modern-day Babylon from the face of the earth. I'm messing around. There's some cool free museums and zoos in St. Louis, and you can go to the Arch every single day if you want to, and I know you want to. Law number three: the asteroid that killed the dinosaurs was once invisible. Then it was a blip on the horizon. Then it was a shooting star. Then it was a planetary disaster that killed all the, you know, the jock predators left us nerds to run things. Now, mankind watches the stars, knowing that if another planet-killing asteroid comes, it probably won't notice until it's too late to do anything about it. Law number three is the law of resistance. The movement of one thing causes the movement of another thing. For our purpose, it's important to notice that we only notice causes when we see their effects, so usually we don't notice an issue until it's too late, until it's killed somebody or stopped up our plumbing. The most common time to buy a plunger is right after you really could have used one. The damage or good that something can do is usually only noticed after it happens. Forecasts can be made, but that's expensive and difficult, and the money could be better spent on helping people right now with the asteroids that we didn't see coming before, and the asteroid might not come anyway, right? So what's this got to do with Authors Dozen? I think the answer is pretty obvious. Nobody can simply intend to do something new and good. The best you can hope for is that something comes along to change your natural course. Left to your own devices, you will remain as you are until acted upon by an outside force. So how do you react to a strange situation? Well, now that you've listened to this podcast, it's my hope that you'll say, oops, and like it. My hope for Authors Dozen has always been to be an outside force that shakes up a person's understanding. You can disagree or agree with me if you like, but you've been acted upon. You can now react. Every life within the sound of my voice has been complicated ever so slightly, and that's good if you want to do something new. By no fault of my own, being a three laws man myself, I found myself in a swirling cloud of complicating elements and I found myself liking it. So, what is this cloud? It's called a city, it's called the internet, books, comics, songs, stories. The cloud is whatever happens to you when you step outside of your routine. Unfortunately, I can't make you step outside of your zone of comfort, I can only nudge what's nudged me. So here's my nudge. It's anti-three laws. Eat your heart out, Jordan Peterson. I call this an antidote to order. Antidote number one, allow yourself to be acted upon by a variety of things and people. Do not allow yourself to be bored by anything or anyone. Take or argue their input, but don't avoid it. Antidote number two, Make these influences bigger, faster, and stronger. There are only so many years in your life. Do not waste them on the in-between and moderate voices. You're going to moderate yourself by the three laws of motion. Why not at least hear uh, some extremes and see what they have to offer? Antidote number three, make the influences fight. The only reason you believe and act on lies is that you've failed to grasp the strength of an argument for truth. You have ignored it or segregated the truth into one part of your life where it doesn't endanger the rest of you. Consider everything everywhere and see if the strongest doesn't win out in the end. Now, I know some of you are worried hearing that. You're rightfully concerned that I'm advocating for extremism in one form or another. And that's because I am. Extremism is a neutral concept. One can be an extreme anarchist. One can be an extreme gardener. If your personal brand of extremism is antisocial or immoral, you'll be told. After all, you're making your influences fight, right? You're never taking for granted the ideas that lead to idealism. That which survives in a free form of facts is the idea that you actually, and to the best of your ability, believe. Wouldn't you rather that this idea be hot or cold rather than lukewarm? Wouldn't you rather be an extreme positive force than a moderate positive force? I will be honest, at this point in my life, I don't expect to get a lot of what people long for when they dream of becoming a writer. The thing that I really care about, and the thing that led to this project in the first place, is getting the ball rolling on ideas and stimuli. I have a lot of stuff rattling up in my head, a lot of extreme novel stuff too, and I want to present it to you, to have it argued for and against. That's what I like, and I think that's why people like to create in the first place. That spark in your brain when you hear, read, or watch something special has, by accident, ignited something in you. Every so often that ignition becomes a chain reaction, and one seed returns a hundredfold. There was some spark at the beginning of the universe that set everything in motion. And I think we all want to be a part of that. Next week, I am letting the cat out of the bag on two projects. One that I planned for and finished, and one that I am planning to finish. We'll get to see the difference between preparation and whatever it was that I accomplished with Run Prometheus. Then you will get to watch in real time as I build out a world and think through its implications. And that's all I got to say. Bye-bye we